This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 48th episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by our latest members on humanistreport.com. Today we have James Fryman, who is a new VIP member, and we also have Gordon Eatman, who sent in an individual donation. So thanks to you both for supporting independent media. If you too would like to support the Humanist Report either on our website or through Patreon, you can visit the links down below in the description box, or you can whitelist us on Adblock. But the way that we primarily want you to support us is just by watching the podcast. So on today's episode, we will be talking about how Bernie Sanders supporters are filing a major class action lawsuit against the DNC in light of the hacks that revealed collusion between the DNC and Clinton's campaign. And in a bit of shocking news, the United Kingdom voted to leave the EU. So I'll discuss that. Also, new revelations about Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server provide even further evidence of both wrongdoing and negligence. And additionally, after a new poll was released showing how large the Bernie robust crowd really is, the Democratic Party is now going to try to appeal to Bernie Sanders supporters. Finally, however, it may be too late as Donald Trump is also making his pitch to Bernie Sanders supporters, so I will cover that as well. And when it comes to winning over Bernie Sanders supporters, many of which are millennials, Hillary Clinton is now devising a strategy to win them over. Spoiler alert, it involves Katy Perry. Yeah. Also in this episode, I'll talk about how Elizabeth Warren has decided to not only betray progressives, but now she's pouring salt in our wounds as she is officially hitting the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton. I'll also talk about Bernie Sanders' article in the Washington Post and how Rhode Island became the fifth state to call for the Wolfpack Amendment to get money out of politics. And finally, I will discuss how Anonymous is launching an initiative to end the media blackout of Jill Stein. So all of these topics will be covered in this episode. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let's go ahead and dive right in. The Miami-based civil litigation firm Beckenley Trial Lawyers has announced that they will be representing nearly 100 Bernie Sanders supporters as plaintiffs in a major class action lawsuit against the DNC. Now, this comes after the DNC hack, which revealed collusion between the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign. So the plaintiffs are suing over the collusion, which violates DNC rules. Now, U.S. Uncut writes, anyone who donated to the DNC after Bernie Sanders entered the race for the Democratic nomination, either directly or indirectly through third-party payment platforms like Act Blue, is eligible to join the lawsuit along with anyone who donated to Bernie Sanders' campaign throughout the course of the primaries and caucuses. According to Jared Beck, an attorney in the case, no venue has yet been picked to file the lawsuit, which he expects to be officially filed early next week to allow for a hearing before the Democratic National Convention on July 25th. Under federal law, the DNC, as a defendant in a class action lawsuit, has 20 days to respond upon being served. So in effect, the plaintiffs in this case, which are Bernie Sanders supporters, are suing because they feel defrauded because they donated money to a candidate that they believed in in a process that was inherently unfair from the very beginning before Bernie Sanders even announced that he was going to run for president. Now, the overall goal is to win financial compensation for Bernie Sanders supporters and also to compel the DNC to change the way in which it conducts business. No more collusion, 
uh, no more false neutrality. They actually have to be fair as their own charter mandates. Now, the attorneys contend that the DNC can respond in several different ways. So they can either issue a motion to dismiss the case altogether or they can move to stay the case, which will most likely be what they do. So that way they can postpone it until after the November election. Now, according to Article 5, Section 4 of the Charter and Bylaws of the Democratic Party, it requires neutrality from the DNC and the DNC chair. But obviously that wasn't the case. No matter how much Debbie do anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz contends that she was neutral, we all know that wasn't the case at all. Now, US Uncut continues, a fraud lawsuit is justified due to multiple actions taken by DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who served as co-chair of Clinton's 2008 campaign. Wasserman Schultz repeatedly claimed neutrality through the primary season despite numerous allegations from the Sanders campaign and national media that she tipped the scales in Clinton's favor throughout the Democratic primary, most notably by scheduling the debates during low viewership time slots and by shutting down the Sanders campaign's access to its voter file database for 24 hours. And these are things we've been complaining about as Bernie Sanders supporters since it happened. It's been inherently unfair, and I think that this lawsuit is absolutely justified. Now, the question is, how can you get involved in the case, and how can you benefit from it? Well, the lawyers explain that you don't necessarily have to do anything. So, the lawyers will be arguing that Bernie Sanders supporters who donated to him represent a type of class. Now, the court has to determine whether or not they actually will deem Bernie Sanders supporters as a class, but if so, then anyone who donated to him could benefit from this lawsuit. So, in the end, not everyone needs to be a literal plaintiff in this case. You could still reap the rewards of the case just by being a Bernie Sanders supporter who donated. Now, there are approximately 2 million people that donated uh, over $22 million in donations. So that is a lot of people. So if it is the case that this lawsuit is successful, the DNC will be paying a lot of people money. Now, to give you guys an example of how this would work, I actually benefited from a class action lawsuit against Sony PlayStation. So in 2012, they were sued for false advertising over the release of their handheld system, uh, the PlayStation Vita. Uh, and anyone who purchased a PlayStation Vita before a certain date, they were involved in the class action lawsuit. And since I had purchased the PlayStation Vita before, or, uh, the date specified, well, I actually received a check of $25. So I would imagine that anyone uh, involved in this case who uh, donated to Bernie Sanders before a certain date, before the hack that revealed collusion between the DNC and uh, Clinton's campaign, I'd imagine that you would be mailed a check as well or receive some type of uh, monetary compensation in, in some way. Uh, so that's not guaranteed. Of course, they have to be successful, but I think that that's how uh, this would happen if it is the case that they do win. Now, irrespective of the financial compensation that you might receive due to this case, I think that the actual importance of the overall case and what it would mean for the DNC and forcing them to change, well, that's more important, and I can't overstate that enough. I think that the DNC can no longer continue to be corrupt to uh, be biased against anyone who's anti-establishment. They just can't. Otherwise, it will destroy the party. And look, I don't necessarily care about the Democrats. I'm going to be dumping Democrats on July 29th. But what I do care about is getting adequate representation, getting progressives in office. And if we can make the Democratic Party more representative of voters and constituents, more representatives uh, of progressives and progressive ideals, then I think this is a win. So in the end, I think this is phenomenal news for anyone who's a Bernie Sanders supporter who was very much defrauded by the DNC uh, because we're taking a stand now. We're proving to the DNC and telling them that their corrupt tactics will not be tolerated and we will fight back. We aren't going to in line, we won't just roll over and take it. We will fight against your corruption, and I absolutely love that this is happening. Kudos to the lawyers involved. I really hope this goes somewhere.
There are new revelations that have emerged surrounding Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server. Now, first and foremost, Hillary Clinton failed to turn over a key email that she was required to turn in. ABC News writes, Clinton failed to turn over a copy of a key message involving problems caused by her use of a private homebrew email server, the State Department confirmed Thursday. The disclosure makes it unclear what other work-related emails may have been deleted by the presumptive Democratic presidential nominee. The email was included within messages exchanged November 13, 2010 between Clinton and one of her closest aides. Deputy Chief of Staff Huma Abedin. At the time, emails sent from Clinton's BlackBerry device and routed through her private ClintonEmail.com server in the basement of her New York home were being blocked by the State Department's spam filter. A suggested remedy was for Clinton to obtain a state.gov email account. Clinton never used a government account that was set up for her, instead continuing to rely on her private server until leaving office. So to clarify, her use of a private email server was causing problems because when she was trying to communicate communicate with people in the State Department, well, the State Department's spam filter was seeing anything that came from ClintonEmail.com and it thought it was spam. So this email that she failed to turn in was about how she can fix this problem. So clearly that's work-related, but she failed to turn in that particular email, which is work-related. So even though this particular email itself is not really important, well, what it proves is that Hillary Clinton lied and failed to comply with the demands of the FBI because she was required to turn over any and all emails that were deemed work-related, but she was the official who got to do the deeming of what was work-related and personal. Uh, so she lied. She claims that she did turn over all work-related emails, and this very much proves that she did not do that. So this is why this is really damning, because it's a key email because it's work-related. Anything that's work-related was under review. We already had evidence that Hillary Clinton lied about multiple aspects of her email account, as I'll talk about in this video, but this proves, once again, that there's another lie regarding her use of a private email server. Now, ABC News continues, Before turning over her emails to the department for review and potential public release, Clinton and her lawyers withheld thousands of additional emails she said were clearly personal, such as those involving what she described as planning Chelsea's wedding or my mother's funeral arrangements, condolence notes to friends, as well as yoga routines routines, family vacations. Clinton has never outlined in detail what criteria she and her lawyers used to determine which emails to release and which to delete, but her 2010 email with Abedin appears clearly work-related under the State Department's own criteria for agency records under the U.S. Freedom of Information Act. Now, just to remind you, Hillary Clinton contends that she did everything in her power to comply with the FBI in their investigation. So she said, you know, I was fully transparent. I handed over my entire hard drive with the emails. But what she doesn't tell you was that that hard drive was wiped clean. And when asked about whether or not she wiped her hard drive, she said, what, with a cloth? You were the official in charge. Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? No. Well, you no. Know how it works digitally? Did you try to I, wipe the whole server? I don't know how it works digitally at all. I do not so have you any. Try. You did not try. So clearly, she's not being transparent. She's lying about how she is being uh, complicit with the investigation. Now, they also found top-secret classified information on her email server that 
she generated herself. Now, with that in mind, you'll be shocked to know the second revelation. So, according to the Associated Press, security that prevents email from being vulnerable was temporarily disabled, not just on Clinton's private email server, but on the State Department server as well. So, the Associated Press explains, State Department staffers wrestled for weeks in December 2010 over a serious technical problem that affected emails from then-Secretary Hillary Clinton's home email server, causing them to temporarily disable security features on the government's own systems according to emails released Wednesday. The emails reviewed by the Associated Press show that State Department technical staff disabled software on their systems intended to block phishing emails that could deliver dangerous viruses. They were trying urgently to resolve delivery problems with emails sent from Clinton's private server. So let me reiterate to you what's went on so far. Hillary Clinton claims she did not send or receive classified information. That was a lie. It turns out she generated classified information. And not only that, security was actually disabled temporarily. I shouldn't have to explain why this is negligent and jeopardizes our national security. Now, Clinton claims that she never jeopardized national security in spite of the fact that she did generate classified information because her email server was never breached. But according to an independent audit conducted by the State Department's Office of Inspector General, well, they confirmed that there were multiple hacking attempts. In January of 2011, an IT worker actually shut down Hillary Clinton's private email server because he was afraid that it was being hacked. Now, Clinton also received infected emails disguised as speeding tickets, and it contained an attachment, according to the Associated Press. So if she would have clicked on that attachment, it would have allowed a hacker to take control of her computer. This is the Secretary of State we're talking about. Now, publicly, Hillary Clinton maintains that her server was never breached, but privately, well, the OIG audit confirms that not only did she acknowledge that she was afraid that her private email server was being hacked, but she literally chose not to report it to security officials, which is protocol. You're supposed to report to the IT security department if you believe that uh, your email has been compromised. She didn't do that. So not only did she lie about it not being hacked or jeopardized, she chose to break protocol and not even report it just so that way she can shirk transparency and not have anyone snooping in her email so they could find out that she's corrupt. This is unbelievable. Now, the third and final revelation makes this even more suspicious because Brian Pagliano, the former IT expert who actually set up her private email server, well, he answered virtually no questions during a roughly 90-minute deposition as part of an open records lawsuit this week. Aside from stating his name and saying three times that he understood procedural rules of the sworn oath interview, Brian Pagliano declined to say a single word other than to plead his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Quote, on advice of counsel, I will decline to answer your question in reliance on my rights under the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution, he said on 130 occasions. Now, everyone has the right to invoke the Fifth Amendment, but the reason why you invoke the Fifth Amendment is because you're worried about incriminating yourself. This is a smart guy. I think that he as an IT expert, is probably articulate enough to speak clearly if he really wasn't guilty or if Hillary Clinton really wasn't guilty. But the fact that he invoked the Fifth Amendment 130 different times and declined to actually answer any of their questions, again, it's even more suspicious and is further proof of wrongdoing and negligence on Clinton's part. So if all of this is found in the FBI's investigation, then I would be absolutely astonished if they didn't recommend an indictment. Hillary Clinton not only lied multiple times, but she broke protocol, she broke the law, 
and she is not being transparent. So this is absolutely crazy. Uh, if you are a Hillary Clinton supporter and you don't know about this or you have cognitive dissonance, now is the time to actually pay attention because this could affect her in the general election if the FBI recommends an indictment in November or October or September. It's over. So we all know by now that Elizabeth Warren, who used to be a hero to me, abandoned Bernie Sanders during the primaries and she could have endorsed him in Massachusetts and put him over the edge there. That may have not changed the entire election, but it would have helped him there. But since Hillary Rodham Nixon, I mean Clinton, sorry, I confuse the two sometimes. Since Hillary Rodham Clinton became the presumptive Democratic nominee, Elizabeth Warren nearly tripped and fell over herself running to endorse her. But now... To add insult to injury, I've got even more disappointing Elizabeth Warren news. That's right, so if you thought that was embarrassing for someone with a progressive record like hers to endorse the candidate who fundamentally undermines everything she spent years fighting for, then get this, she's now hitting the campaign trail with Hillary Clinton. That's right, so she frequently spends her time railing against Wall Street and corporate greed, but she's going to hit the campaign trail for Wall Street's candidate, for the person who has taken millions and millions of dollars in money from Wall Street, for the person who has given private speeches to Goldman Sachs and refuses to release those speech transcripts. That's who Elizabeth Warren is now hitting the campaign trail for. The Clinton campaign sent out a message saying Hillary Clinton will return to Ohio on Monday, June 27th to campaign with U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren. At a public event in Cincinnati, Clinton and Warren will discuss their shared commitment to building an America that is stronger together and an economy that works for everyone, not just those at the top. Additional details about this event will be released soon. I'm here today because I'm with her. Yes, her. We're all here today because we're with her, and we're going to work our hearts out to make Hillary Clinton the next president of the United States. Are you ready for this? Yeah. We're here with someone who gets up every single day and fights for us. Someone who has spent her whole life fighting for children, spent her life fighting for women, spent her life fighting for families, fighting for health care, fighting for human rights, fighting for a level playing field, fighting for those who need her most. We're here to fight side by side with Hillary Clinton. That's just embarrassing. Look, this doesn't erase Elizabeth Warren's record, but it does prove that she's a spineless progressive, that she is willing to abandon everything she's fought for and shit on her own record just to fall in line for the status quo. This is extremely disappointing. But, just you wait, to prove that she is the progressive lion that she claims she is, she fiercely criticized Donald Trump and accused him of being a quote, fraud and quote, a cheapskate. 
Wow, guys, everyone, let's give kudos and commend Elizabeth Warren for her bravery here. How brave of you and courageous of you to critique Donald Trump, a buffoon, to critique someone who is the low-hanging fruit. Kudos to you, Elizabeth Warren. Wow, I'm so proud of you right now. It must take a lot of courage to criticize Donald Trump. No, do you want to know what would take courage? To stand up to someone in your own party who's a fraud. See, because what I want you to do as a true progressive is objectively apply that label for fraud. Hillary Clinton is very much a fraud, as is Donald Trump. So why would you not be objective and only attribute that label to Donald Trump? You're campaigning for another fraud, another corporate fraud from Wall Street, from Walmart, from Monsanto, and you're abandoning everything you stood for. It doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't, unless she's hoping to get something out of this. I'm thinking a VP position, maybe. There are many rumors swirling around that Elizabeth Warren might actually be Hillary Clinton's VP pick. But Clinton's owners, I mean donors, are tightening the leash on her and are warning her that if she actually does pick Elizabeth Warren, all the money gets cut off. No money for her. So Politico explains that if Clinton picked Warren, her whole base on Wall Street would leave her, said one top Democratic donor who has helped raise millions for Clinton. They would literally just say, we have no qualms with you moving left. We understand all the things you've had to do because of Bernie Sanders. But if you're going there with Warren, we just can't trust you. You've killed it. Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news and break this to Warren, but Hillary Clinton is probably going to listen to her donors as she usually does. So you're doing all of this. You're campaigning for her. You're endorsing her. You're pooping on your own record. And you might not even get anything out of it. That's embarrassing embarrassing how you would be willing to jeopardize your own progressive record just for personal gain to maybe become the VP of one of the most corrupt administrations in history. So finally, I'm going to explain to Elizabeth Warren why Hillary Clinton is everything she's fought against for her whole life. In fact, you know what? I'm going to let Elizabeth Warren explain to Elizabeth Warren why Hillary Clinton is everything she's fought against for her own life. Take a look. You tell a story that to me illustrates what has happened to our political system in regard to the middle class, in regard to democracy and the country as a whole, and it involves Hillary Clinton. I had written an op-ed about a piece of pending bankruptcy legislation. Um, uh, the credit card companies have been pushing to try to tighten the bankruptcy laws, uh, sort of like locking the doors to the hospitals and then claiming nobody's sick in America. Um, so they were trying to get the bankruptcy laws constrained, constricted, so that fewer families could get in. Why? Because you can make more money if those families don't go into bankruptcy, if you're a, a credit lender. And so I'd written an op-ed about how this would fall disproportionately hard on women who were raising families and who would be put in the position under this bill of trying to compete with Citibank, MasterCard, Visa, Bank One, for getting alimony and child support from their ex-husbands. Mrs. Clinton evidently saw... The First Lady. The did. First Lady. She was then First Lady. This is in the 1990s, uh, late 1990s. Mrs. Clinton saw the piece, and I got a call from the White House. And they said Mrs. Clinton was going to be in town to give a speech in Boston, and would I come and meet with her? I said, sure. And so I put together all my files, I show up at the appointed place. After she's finished her speech, we're ushered into a tiny little room somewhere in the bowels of this hotel. And just the two of us, they close the door. Mrs. Clinton sits down. We have hamburgers and French fries. And you tutor her. And she says, tell me about bankruptcy. And I got to tell you, I never had a smarter student. Quick 
right to the heart of it. I go over the law, it's a complex law. Went over the economics, showed her the graphs, showed her the charts, and she got it. Within 20 minutes, she could play where the rest of it would come. Well, then that will mean this part's happened. That will mean this has happened. I said, yes, that's right. And at the end of the conversation, Mrs. Clinton stood up. She said, let's get our picture taken, which we did. And she said, Professor Warren, we've got to stop that awful bill, referring to this bankruptcy bill that's sponsored by the credit card companies. So I left. She went back to Washington. And I heard later from someone who was a White House staffer that there were skid marks in the hallways when Mrs. Clinton got back as people were reverse direction on that bankruptcy bill. President, they were supporting the industry, and because of her... President Clinton had been showing that this was another way that he could be helpful to business. It wasn't a very high visibility bill. And when Mrs. Clinton came back with a little better understanding of how it all worked, they reversed course, and they reversed course fast. And indeed, the, the proof is in the pudding. The last uh, bill that came before President Clinton was that bankruptcy bill that was passed by the House and the Senate in 2000, and he vetoed it. And in her autobiography, Mrs. Clinton took credit for that veto, and she rightly should. She turned around a whole administration on the subject of bankruptcy. She and got then, it. And then? One of the first bills that came up after she was Senator Clinton was the bankruptcy bill. Uh, this is a bill that's like a vampire. It will not die, right? There's a lot of money behind it. And the it bill just, her husband had vetoed. Her husband had vetoed it very much at her urging. And? She voted in favor of it. Why? As Senator Clinton, the pressures are very different. Mm -hmm. It's a well-financed industry. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that the industry that gave the most money to Washington over the past few years was not the oil industry, was not pharmaceuticals, it was consumer credit products. Those are the people the credit card companies have been giving money, and they have influence. And Mrs. Clinton was one of them, a senator. Yeah. She, she has taken money from the groups, and more to the point, she worries about them as a constituency. So what does this mean, though, to these people, these millions of people out there whom the politicians uh, cavort in front of as favoring the middle class and then are beholden to the powerful interests that undermine the middle class? What does it say about politics today? You know, this is the scary part about democracy today. It's, we're talking again about the impact of money. The credit industry on this bankruptcy bill has spent tens of millions of dollars lobbying. And as their profits grow, they just throw more into lobbying for how they can get laws that will make it easier and easier and easier to drain money out of the, out of the pockets of middle class families. If you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you know that Hillary Clinton has done absolutely nothing to win you over. In fact, She's probably done more to push you away because when asked what she would do to get Bernie Sanders supporters, instead of saying, well, you know, I think I'll adopt some of his policies, she said, I'm winning and they have no choice but to vote for me because the only other option is Donald Trump. I am winning. I am winning. Now, what Hillary Clinton should be doing is everything she can to get Bernie Sanders supporters to come on board to her campaign, uh, but instead... She decided to turn her backs on us and is now launching Republicans for Hillary, which is a failed endeavor. But nonetheless, uh, she's chosen to pursue this and turn her backs on us because 
inevitably, she thinks we will acquiesce. Not going to happen. Now, Donald Trump, on the other hand, he's actually, instead of getting Republican voters who are pro-establishment, pro-Jeb Bush, well, he's actually now trying to lure in Bernie Sanders supporters. And what he's saying may actually be effective. Take a look. When I see the crumbling roads and bridges or the dilapidated airports or the factories moving overseas to Mexico or to other countries for that matter, I know these problems can all be fixed but not by Hillary Clinton, only by me. The fact is, we can come back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Everywhere I look, I see the possibilities of what our country could be. But we can't solve any of these problems by relying on the politicians who created the problems themselves. We'll never be able to fix a rigged system by counting on the same people who have rigged it in the first place. The insiders wrote the rules of the game to keep themselves in power and in the money. That's why we're asking Bernie Sanders voters to join our movement so together we can fix the system for all Americans so important. This includes fixing all of our many disastrous trade deals, and they are disastrous. They're destroying our country because it's not just the political system that's rigged. It's the whole economy. It's rigged by big donors who want to keep wages down. It's rigged by big businesses who want to leave our country fire our workers and sell their products back into the United States with absolutely no consequences for them. It's rigged by bureaucrats who are trapping kids in failing schools. It's rigged against you, the American people. Hillary Clinton, and as you know, she, most people know, she's a world-class liar. Just look at her pathetic email server statements or her phony landing. or her phony landing in Bosnia, where she said she was under attack, and the attack turned out to be young girls handing her flowers, a total and so, uh, look, this was, this was one of the buttes, a total and self-serving lie. Brian Williams' career was destroyed for saying less. Just remember that. See, what you just saw is what Hillary Clinton is supposed to be doing not Donald Trump. So he talked about uh, how our infrastructure is crumbling. That's a key issue in Bernie Sanders' campaign. He also said, we'll never be able to fix a rigged system by counting on the same people who have rigged it in the first place. The insiders wrote the rules of the game to keep themselves in power and in the money. Who does that sound like? That sounds just like Bernie Sanders. He also explicitly asked for the support of Bernie Sanders supporters and said he'll, quote, fix the system for all Americans. That's almost exactly what Bernie Sanders says verbatim. And they're giving up on the political process because they understand the economy is rigged. 
They are working longer hours for lower wages. They're worried about the future of their kids. And yet, almost all new income and wealth is going to the top 1%. Not what America is supposed to be about. Not the fairness that we grew up believing that America was about. And then sustaining that rigged economy is a corrupt campaign finance system undermining American democracy. How many times has Hillary Clinton asked for the support of Bernie Sanders supporters? Zero times. And now you have Donald Trump, the Republican nominee, asking for their support. This is absolutely crazy. Now, he also says the economy is rigged by big donors who want to keep wages down. Now, this is what I'd like to call an effective strategy. People who are disenchanted with the political process, with the corruption, with the money in politics, they're going to find this appealing. And for me, I've stated before that even if I disagree with a candidate, uh, politically speaking, I would vote for them in the event they only supported campaign finance reform. So if they were the most staunchest conservative, but if they said the one thing they would do when they get in office was get money out of politics— I would definitely consider voting for them. So this is why Donald Trump will be very effective. Now, the problem is that he doesn't tell you he helped rig the economy. He brags about how he used to, to buy politicians, and he's lying to you about how he self-funds his campaign. He's not doing that. And in fact, he's now going to take $100 million from Sheldon Adelson. He's meeting with the Koch brothers, and at the beginning of his campaign, he doesn't tell you that he met with billionaires and begged them for money like Paul Singer, and they said no, and the only reason why he railed against in politics is because he was butthurt. So I do not believe Donald Trump will do anything to get money out of politics. Don't let him dupe you over. And furthermore, he hasn't put forth any substantive policies to actually remove money from politics. So I do not believe Donald Trump will actually get money out of politics. I know he's just saying this to get Bernie Sanders supporters to flip and come over to his side. And look, it's a smart strategy. Credit where credit is due. Hillary Clinton should be doing this, but instead we have Donald Trump who's smart enough to do this. Now, the problem with Hillary Clinton is that she is the embodiment of the establishment and money in politics and corruption. So if you are someone who really does care about money in politics and you don't know that Donald Trump isn't actually self-funding his campaign and that he's lying to you about that, well, then I could see why someone would realistically support Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton. Now, all he needs to do is take the money in politic argument and attribute it to Hillary Clinton and show how she's corrupt, how she's taking money from Wall Street and will inevitably be beholden to them. Oh, wait, he actually has already done that. Take a look. I don't want to devote the rest of my life to raising money from people. And, you know, when she raises this money, every time she raises money, she's making deals. They're saying, could I be the ambassador to this? Could I do that? Make sure my business is taken care of. I mean, give me a break. All of the money she's raising, that's blood money. That's blood money. Look, she's getting tremendous amounts of money from Wall Street. She's going to take care of Wall Street. So look, I don't say this very often, but Donald Trump is 100% correct. And if you're a Hillary Clinton supporter, if you're Hillary Clinton, if you're the Democratic establishment, you should be terrified right now that this caveman can turn into Albert Einstein when it comes to talking about money and politics and Hillary Clinton's corruption. That's a message that will definitely resonate in November. Now, it is the case that Hillary Clinton has got a boost in the poll. She's beating Trump in almost every single poll, and her average is now higher than Donald Trump's. But if he uses this line of attack, and if we see a Hillary Clinton indictment or a recommendation that she should be indicted by the FBI... You're looking at our next president, Donald Trump.
Throughout this election cycle, the Democratic Party has consistently turned their backs on progressives and has given us the middle finger at basically every point in time. Hillary Clinton had the chance to make her bitch to us, and all she said was that uh, she's winning and we have no choice to vote for her. The only other option is Trump. So at every turn, uh, they had assumed that we would fall in line if she does, in fact, win the nomination. Now, after a new Bloomberg poll reveals that only 55% of Bernie Sanders supporters will actually back Hillary Clinton, well, now they're beginning to pay attention. Now, just to remind you, uh, one poll showed that only 25% of Bernie Sanders supporters uh, wouldn't back Clinton, and another poll showed that 33% won't support her. So now, at 55%, this is the highest poll yet. Uh, so in that poll, 22% of Bernie Sanders supporters say they'll vote for Trump, and 18% say they'll vote for Gary Johnson. So this to me is really frustrating because they don't even know that we have another option who's identical to Bernie Sanders, Jill Stein. But this is really an indictment on the media because even though they'll cover Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and even Gary Johnson to a higher extent than Jill Stein, people don't know that, that there is someone like Bernie Sanders that they can vote for if they are Bernie or Bust. So instead, they're just... Uh, voting for Trump and Gary Johnson, and even though I like Gary Johnson and I agree with him on the majority of issues, he's a libertarian. He's the polar opposite of Bernie Sanders on many different topics. So it's really frustrating that people don't even know about Jill Stein. Now in this article, they discussed the poll as well as conversations they had with two dozen Bernie Sanders supporters, and this is what they said uh, when they were asked if they'd support Clinton. I will absolutely never vote for Clinton. I'm going to vote for Jill Stein. Another said, there's 0% chance that Hillary Clinton could ever get my vote. She's a corporate candidate. I don't vote for corporate candidates. I don't do the lesser of two evils. Another person said, you're choosing between fascism and oligarchy. <laughs> One person equated the choice between Clinton and Trump as choosing to die by quicksand or die by a bullet. So, yes, people have strong feelings and they will not fall in line and support Hillary Clinton come November. Now, look, I'm being fair here. I think that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats rightfully think that we're going to fall in line because in 2008, uh, a large portion of Hillary Clinton supporters, about 40 to 45 percent, considered themselves Puma, which means party unity my ass. They claimed that they would not support Obama if he was the nominee. But in the end, we all know that they ended up coalescing around Barack Obama, uh, even though Hillary Clinton lost. But this is a miscalculation, and we're not going to just fall in line like Hillary Clinton supporters because unlike the sheep that they are we prioritize policy above the candidates bernie sanders supporters by and large are policy wonks so they actually support the policy positions of the candidate and not the candidate's celebrity status so hillary clinton supporters when you talk to them they can't name a single issue where hillary clinton is better than bernie sanders or more progressive or liberal than bernie sanders with the exception of gun reform and if you really try to press them and ask them why they think Hillary Clinton is better. Why wouldn't they vote for Bernie Sanders if they agree more with him than her? They'll say, well, she's more experienced, she's more electable, when in actuality, that's not really true because she's not more electable because Bernie Sanders polls better than her in hypothetical matchups against Trump. Uh, and furthermore, experience doesn't mean that you have good judgment. With all the experience Hillary Clinton's had, we have evidence that she has horrible judgment. So, look, Hillary Clinton supporters and Bernie Sanders supporters, the difference is like night and day. They may be liberal, but Hillary Clinton supporters, they don't really understand the nuance of economic policy, of foreign policy. They care about social issues, and since Hillary Clinton pays lip service to them, 
because of that and makes them believe that she's better on LGBT rights and whatnot and criminal justice, well, they support her because who else are you going to pick? A Republican who's crazy? So, no, it is not safe to assume that we are like Hillary Clinton's supporters. We are nothing like her supporters, and no, we will not fall in line. Now, suddenly, the Democratic establishment is actually realizing this because it's been about two weeks since Hillary Clinton officially became the presumptive nominee. Uh, but we're still not falling in line. In fact, if anything, polls are getting worse for her. Now, this Bloomberg poll shows that 55% of us won't support her. So now they're getting a little bit scared and they're starting to pay attention. So CBS News writes, House Democratic leaders are worrying about the role of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders still has left to play in the general election, even as they insist that their party will unite behind presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. Shortly after meeting with Clinton on Capitol Hill Wednesday, party leaders were asked whether it's a big problem for Democrats that Sanders still has yet to endorse Clinton and that a recent poll indicated that many Sanders backers remain on the fence about supporting her. This is a problem for the party, South Carolina Democratic Representative Jim Clyburn said at a press conference. I would love to see Mr. Sanders endorse, go all in, and I think he will. Clyburn said he believed Sanders will announce his endorsement in the not-too-distant future. So, in other words, they're afraid now but they're still not getting it. They think that our vote for Hillary Clinton will be contingent on a Bernie Sanders endorsement. So as soon as Bernie Sanders says, I officially endorse Hillary Clinton, we're going to be like sheep and just fall in line and be like, oh, okay, well now we can support her because Bernie Sanders says we can. I love Bernie Sanders. I've got nothing but love for Bernie Sanders, but his endorsement has no bearing on my vote whatsoever. I will not support Hillary Clinton regardless if she picks Elizabeth Warren as her VP, regardless if Bernie Sanders endorses her and gives her a ringing endorsement and just praises her nonstop. That's not going to work. I will be voting for Jill Stein. I've made up my mind. Many Bernie Sanders supporters have made up their minds and we're not going to coalesce behind Clinton. I'm sorry, but they don't get it. They really don't get it. So CBS News continues, questioned whether there was anything Clinton could do to encourage Sanders supporters. California Democratic Representative Xavier Becerra said the presumptive nominee addressed the issue during their meeting. She's going to go out there and talk to everyone in America, Becerra said. Not just Sanders supporters, but she's going to talk to those who aren't supporting the Democrats because as she said, she's going to be president for everyone. He expressed his faith that Sanders backers would eventually turn to Clinton in the general election. Quite honestly, I believe not just Senator Sanders, but Senator Sanders' supporters as we get closer to November will look closely at this race and make some really strong decisions to support the most qualified person to be president, Becerra said. So in other words, no. Hillary Clinton will not be trying to court us over. Instead, she's launching a Republicans for Hillary initiative. And this endeavor has been a complete failure, just to give you an example. So the Republicans for Hillary Facebook page doesn't even have 1,600 likes. The Humanist Report Facebook page actually has double that. And the newest comment from Georgia says, and so-called Republicans that would vote for a lying, traitorous, cheating, Muslim-loving, murdering bitch. Georgia has no chill, but... Basically, the point is that this isn't working. Republicans do not like Hillary Clinton. They've only been criticizing her for the last eight years. I mean, come on. Now, other Democrats contend that we will fall in line once uh, they really highlight the differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, but I'm sorry, but we already know the differences between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. The difference is marginal slight differences. They're both dangerous, but in different ways. Now, House Minority Whip Steny Hoyer, for example, implied that we're going to fall in line because the only other option is Donald Trump, so we're going to be forced to acquiesce behind Clinton. 
No, the other options are very clear. It's going to be Jill Stein. So the conclusion is that now they finally realize that there's a problem, but they still can't adequately diagnose it, and they certainly don't have a prescription for it. So if they don't wake up and realize that we don't want Hillary Clinton, well, look, they're going to learn the hard way in November uh, if she loses. So... It's really frustrating that they still don't get it after all this time. When we say we're not voting for Hillary Clinton, when we say we're never Hillary, we mean it. And that 55%, I'm actually surprised it's not higher. So look, it depends on the poll, but there's a very large portion of Bernie Sanders supporters who will not be supporting Clinton. That's clear. Some will fall in line. Many won't. Uh, and if that's the case, that's detrimental for Clinton. Since the beginning of her campaign, Hillary Clinton's biggest weakness has been her inability to attract millennial voters. And when you actually look at the data, you'll see that her problem was bigger than we even thought. So according to the Washington Post, Bernie Sanders had nearly three times as many younger voters as Hillary Clinton, and even Donald Trump has more younger voters than Hillary. And additionally, Bernie Sanders had even more younger voters than Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump combined. So her campaign is now actually being reasonable and is going to make an actual effort to appeal to younger millennial voters. So first, Hillary Clinton has hired many ex-Sanders staffers. They're all traitors. <laughs> but also, Politico explains that meanwhile, Clinton's allies in the environmental, labor, and women's health communities are tapping into the same data, digital, and other messaging tactics that Sanders used to such great effect in galvanizing millions of millennial supporters. And talks are ongoing between both campaigns about how to deploy Sanders later this summer and fall as a Clinton surrogate. The Clinton camp wants him to make his largest splash with the young cohort, captivated by his Brooklyn-tinged talk of revolution. Okay, the thought of Bernie Sanders becoming a quote Clinton surrogate is unthinkable to me. How is he going to do that? Is he supposed to be silent as Donald Trump rails against her for taking money from Wall Street? So after all these months of criticizing Hillary Clinton for taking money from Wall Street, he's supposed to say, no, you know, when I criticized her, I, you know, I was just being tongue in cheek. It was a joke, guys. Is that what he's supposed to do? How is he going to be a Clinton surrogate? He's the polar opposite of Hillary Clinton. Now, people will contend that that's not the case because their voting records in the Senate was 90% the same. But when you look at that 10% difference, there were really large differences, such as her vote for the Iraq War, such as her support for the Patriot Act. So... I don't know how that's going to work. Now, they continue. Clinton campaign aides said in interviews that they were well aware of the challenges they faced just in getting young people engaged with their campaign. After all, their attempts during the primaries to connect with younger people were frequently met with online mockery, including a request for feedback about student loan debt via emoji and a quick Snapchat video of Clinton rapping next to a river in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That has since gone viral with more than 29 million views. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. How do you do, fellow kids? But even as Clinton's hipness comes under question, her aides say she'll embrace her age, 68, which is actually two years younger than Donald Trump. Ooh, an inner policy wonk. She doesn't need to be cool. She just needs to be who she is, said Sarah Audello, the Clinton campaign's youth vote director. That's what young people are interested in. Young people want authenticity. No, we're actually more interested in policy. Authenticity is nice, but it's not everything. I would prefer a candidate based on their policy positions. And if you're really going to bank on Hillary Clinton's authenticity, I've got bad news for you. Not going to work because Hillary Clinton is the least authentic candidate perhaps in history. She is the definition of a poll-minded, focus group-driven politician. 
we don't like her and know she's not authentic. So this is honestly embarrassing and just shows that they have no idea what the hell they're doing. See, if you don't focus on policy, you're not gonna win over millennials. Millennials, by and large, are much more progressive than older voters, even Gen Xers. We care about the policy substance. We want universal healthcare. We want free college education. These are the policies that you can use to appeal to us. But what are you gonna do? Just go against everything you've ran against? I mean, you said that universal healthcare will never ever come to pass. Health emergencies can't wait for us to have some theoretical debate about some better idea that will never ever come to pass. Uh, you think that your college affordability plan is the best thing ever since sliced bread, when in actuality, it's just Obama's plan regurgitated so what are you gonna do if you're seriously telling me that you're gonna rely on hillary clinton's authenticity to get millennials we have the internet there are so many examples of her lying through her teeth of her criticizing younger people saying we don't do our research i, I feel sorry sometimes for the young people who you know believe this right. uh they don't do their own research so that's not gonna work she's not authentic she is fake and everyone sees it that way. Now, finally, the Clinton Youth Vote game plan includes targeting different subgroups of millennial generations on their own turf. High school students who will be 18 by election day can expect to get their own special pitch. Different messages will be directed at college students, young professionals just getting started in their careers, and older millennials who have started families. Clinton's Youth Vote staffers are planning to take a listening tour of college campuses and other places where millennials work and congregate. On the stump, Clinton is expected to get a big boost from several high-profile celebrities with appeal to millennials, including pop singer Katy Perry, ooh, and actress Lena Dunham. But it's Sanders, who many of his campaign aides expect will be a main draw. See, I was a little bit skeptical, and then you told me about Katy Perry and Lena Dunham, and now I can't resist. I'm going to have to vote for Hillary Clinton. It looks like my Burning Your Bus label, we're going to throw that away, because she's going to get Katy Perry to come and sing a shitty pop song for her. I, I can't resist after Katy Perry comes on board, man. <laughs> oh, this is so embarrassing. Uh, it just proves that they have no idea what they're doing. Now, look, I agree that it makes sense to actually target younger people on their own turf. You have to go to colleges, you have to go to high schools. But if you think that Lena Dunham or Lena Dunham and Katy Perry are gonna persuade them, Again, you have no idea what the hell you're doing, and it's just laughable to me. Now, again, we see that same notion that they're expecting Bernie Sanders to be a strong surrogate for Hillary Clinton and to stump for her. So if it really is the case that it's true and Politico is correct about them uh, coordinating about how he's going to be a surrogate, this would be incredibly disappointing for me and many Bernie Sanders supporters. And if he were to do that, he'd go against his whole revolution. All the people he brought in would be disenchanted and disappointed in him and would just lose hope that even if Bernie Sanders would fall in line, then change is not possible. If someone like Bernie Sanders, who's not in it for himself, would go so far as to not just endorse Hillary Clinton, which I expect him to do because he has to do that basically, uh, so that way he can protect his record and make it seem as though he's not bitter, but for him to actually praise Hillary Clinton, that's unthinkable to me. It really is unthinkable. Now look, I fully expect him to campaign against Donald Trump, but I expect him to be more uh, ambivalent or agnostic, I guess you could say, towards Hillary Clinton. I don't expect him to say she's the best candidate ever. I mean, I'm sure he's going to say she's better than Donald Trump, but I mean, to praise Hillary Clinton, this would really turn off a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters to Bernie Sanders. Do I think he's selling out? No. I think he's doing what he thinks he has to do, but let's hope he doesn't become a Clinton surrogate. I, I couldn't see it, but I could be wrong. 
uh, I, I know that he's principled. I know that he wouldn't fight for a candidate as corrupt and beholden to her donors as Hillary Clinton. Look, when it comes to her appeal to millennial voters, this is a joke. Um, I doubt it's going to work. Can she end up winning more millennials than Trump? I don't know because she didn't now. But again, uh, millennials are typically not a consistent voting block in elections. They show up more during uh, national general elections. Uh, but during the primaries, they don't show up as much. So maybe that's why uh, maybe she'll uh, actually get more support. I don't know. But for now, she has a problem and all of these tactics are not going to work. The hacker group Anonymous is officially launching a campaign to end the media blackout of Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein. Now, more so than any other presidential candidate, including Libertarian Party nominee Gary Johnson, nobody knows she exists, and Bernie Sanders supporters who are Bernie or bust and refuse to support Hillary Clinton are more inclined to vote for Gary Johnson than Jill Stein, even though it's the case that Jill Stein is closer to Bernie Sanders ideologically. Now, why is it that the media is refusing to cover Jill Stein. Well, one, they're scared of her. It's obvious. And two, they're afraid that if they do cover her, well, her ideas, like Bernie Sanders, are popular and will resonate, and that would threaten Hillary Clinton's chances. Now, we all know that MSNBC, CNN, their parent companies are some of the largest donors to Hillary Clinton, so they are fully in the tank with Hillary Clinton, and no, this conflict of interest is not disclosed ever. So Anonymous recognizes this, and they hate it, and now they're going to fight back. So uh, in a video titled OP Jill Stein, they state, Sanders supporters have accused us of showing bias by ignoring U.S. presidential candidate Dr. Jill Stein, and we agree. This candidate has not only been censored and ignored by the mainstream media, by Google, and by Twitter, she was even arrested and held in a black site during the 2012 election for trying to attend a debate. In the interest of avoiding mainstream media's bias against third-party candidates, we endorse this suggestion for OP Jill Stein. So what they're doing is they're encouraging everyone to disseminate as much information as possible about Jill Stein and to insist that we demand she is included in the national debates. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with this. Now, here's what's unique about this particular presidential race. Anyone who was worried about the spoiler effect, meaning that if you vote for Jill Stein, you make it likely that Trump could win because Jill Stein would take votes away from Hillary Clinton, kind of like how many people accuse Ralph Nader of doing the same in 2000. Well, if you're worried about the spoiler effect and you were worried about the spoiler effect, you should not be worried about that because we now have a, quote, spoiler on both sides. We have, on the conservative side, Gary Johnson, who's going to take votes away from Donald Trump. And on the liberal side, we have Jill Stein, a liberal who's going to take votes away from Hillary Clinton. So if there's equal uh, siphoning off of the vote from the mainstream candidates, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, well, then you don't have to worry about a spoiler effect. And furthermore, if the Democratic and Republican parties are actually worried about spoilers, well, then they could institute electoral reform and do an alternate vote system, for example. This was one of the things I actually asked Dr. Jill Stein about. I said, well, how do you respond to people who accuse the Green Party and third-party candidates of uh, being spoilers? And she said, well, look, if the Democratic Party is really worried about Donald Trump, they can fight for electoral reform and actually change the way we vote so that way your vote is ranked. And you don't get spoilers. And I couldn't agree more with that. It was very influential for me. So if you are worried about the spoiler effect, you don't really have to worry 
about it as much this election season. So I absolutely believe Jill Stein needs to be covered more in the media, or she just needs to be covered, period. And I do believe she should be included in debates. But there's one component that I would like to add uh, to this campaign. Jill Stein is not on the ballot in all 50 states. So if you are intending to vote for Jill Stein, you have to look up and see whether or not she is on your ballot in your state. Otherwise, you may not get to vote for her. And this is part of the reason why Gary Johnson is currently polling higher than her, because many people don't know if they can actually vote for Jill Stein. So this has to be part of the campaign. We have to get Jill Stein on the ballot in all 50 states. Not only is it fair, but it's ethical. And it gives progressives an actual choice in this election and not just saying they have to vote between a fascist and the oligarchy. Now, here's what I find remarkable. Even in the absence of media coverage, support for Jill Stein has exploded since Hillary Clinton became the presumptive Democratic Party nominee. And I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that because she's now polling at 7%, according to a new CNN ORC poll. Gary Johnson is polling at 9%. Clinton's at 42% and Trump is at 38%. Now, here's what's crazy. When you control for party affiliation and you look just at Democratic voters, 18% are preferring Stein to Clinton. One in five Democratic voters prefer a third-party candidate. That is honestly remarkable. So here's what you can do. You have to do activism. You have to petition your state to put Jill Stein on the ballot and you have to disseminate information. I'm 100% uh, supportive of this campaign. We have to share stories of Jill Stein. There are plenty of videos on my channel that you can share because I know a lot of people don't like to read articles, but you can share the videos on my channel of Jill Stein. I try my best to cover her. I have a whole playlist dedicated to Jill Stein on this channel. Share something of Jill Stein. There are videos from Now This where she talks about her plan, where she talks about uh, abolishing student debt, where she talks about her progressive policies and getting off fossil fuels. And look, if you share videos of Jill Stein, I think that you can have a big impact. So I am 100% on board with this campaign and I applaud Anonymous for this effort because I think that this is something we have to do. It's something that is just. Rhode Island has officially called for a constitutional amendment to get money out of politics and they are now the fifth state to do so. So the four other previous states who called for an Article 5 convention to ban money from politics are Illinois, California, New Jersey, and Vermont. Now to remind you, we do need 29 more states to call for a constitutional amendment in order to trigger an Article 5 convention, but like previous uh, constitutional amendments, such as the 17th and the 22nd Amendment, well, all you have to do is scare Congress and you may compel them to act and adopt the amendment themselves because Congress isn't going to want to delegate this authority to ratify a constitutional amendment to the states. So they're going to take up the issue themselves. Now, it may not be exactly what we want, but by and large, it will be positive if they do get money out of politics to some degree. Now, I support the Wolfpack Amendment specifically because it bans legalized bribery, it gets money out of politics, mandates clean elections, uh, that is publicly financed elections, and it also says that corporations are not people. So I think that this is the one and only way we can actually get money out of politics because Hillary Clinton isn't going to do that, Donald Trump is not going to do that, even though he does complain about money in politics and legalized bribery. Well, he's now taking money from Sheldon Adelson and is begging the Koch brothers for money. So we have a Congress, we have... Uh, whoever's going to be the next president, not willing to act on this issue. So we are taking this into our own hands. So I am proud to say that the Humanist Report is a supporter of Wolfpack. And look, we have to continue to get all 
29 other states on board so that way we can take this issue into our, our own hands and end corruption in the United States and facilitate the demise of the American oligarchy. So this is phenomenal news and I couldn't not share it with you guys. Bernie Sanders wrote an article for the Washington Post called Here's What We Want and in it, um, he just gets it. I, I don't know how else to describe it other than Bernie Sanders gets it and he represents everything he's fought for and that we've fought for over the course of the last year. So I wanted to share that with you. So he states, as we head toward the Democratic National Convention, I often hear the question, what does Bernie Sanders want? Wrong question. The right question is what the 12 million Americans who voted for a political revolution want. And the answer is they want real change in this country. They want it now and they are prepared to take on the political cowardice and powerful special interests which have prevented that change from happening. They understand that the United States is the richest country in the history of the world and that new technology and innovation makes us wealthier every day. What they don't understand is why the middle class continues to decline. 47 million of us live in poverty and many Americans are forced to work two or three jobs just to cobble together the income they need to survive. What do we want? We want an economy that is not based on uncontrollable greed, monopolistic practices, and illegal behavior. We want an economy that protects the human needs and dignity of all people, children, the elderly, the sick, working people, and the poor. We want an economic and political system that works for all of us, not one in which almost all new wealth and power rests with a handful of billionaire families. The current campaign finance system is corrupt. Billionaires and powerful corporations are now, through super PACs, able to spend as much money as they want to buy elections and elect candidates who represent their interests, not the American people. Meanwhile, we have one of the lowest voter turnout rates of any major country on earth, and Republican governors are working overtime to suppress the vote and make it harder for poor people, people of color, seniors, and young people to vote. What do we want? We want to overturn the disastrous Citizens United Supreme Court decision and move toward public funding of elections. We want universal voter registration so that anyone 18 years of age or older who is eligible to vote is automatically registered. We want a vibrant democracy and a well-informed electorate that knows that its views can shape the future of our country. Our criminal justice system is broken. We have 2.2 million people rotting behind bars at an annual expense of 80 billion. Youth unemployment in a number of inner cities and rural communities is 30 to 50 percent, and millions of young people have limited opportunities to participate in the productive economy. Failing schools all around the country produce more people who end up in jail than graduate college. Millions of Americans have police records as a result of marijuana possession, which should be decriminalized, and too many people are serving unnecessarily long mandatory minimum sentences. What do we want? We want a criminal justice system that addresses the causes of incarceration, not one that simply imprisons more people. We want to demilitarize local police departments, see local police departments reflect the diversity of communities they serve, and, and private ownership of prisons and detention centers. We want to create the conditions that allow people who are released from prison to stay out. We want the best educated population on earth, not the most incarcerated population. The debate is over. Climate change is real. It is caused by human activity and it already is causing devastating damage in our country and to the entire planet. 
If the present trends continue, scientists tell us the planet will be 5 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit warmer by the end of the century, which means more droughts, floods, extreme weather disturbances, rising sea levels, and acidification of the oceans. This is a planetary crisis of extraordinary magnitude. What do we want? We want the United States to lead the world in pushing our energy system away from fossil fuel and toward energy efficiency and sustainable energy. We want a tax on carbon, the end of fracking, and massive investment in wind, solar, geothermal, and other sustainable technologies. We want to leave this planet in a way that is healthy and habitable for future generations. What do we want? We want to end the rapid movement that we are currently experiencing toward oligarchic control of our economic and political life. As Lincoln put it at Gettysburg, we want a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That is what we want, and that is what we will continue fighting for. So I couldn't have said it better myself. Bernie Sanders has a way of articulating things in a manner that's simplistic, yet encapsulates everything that we really do want. We don't want this corrupt campaign finance system. We want action to be taken over climate change. He's still fighting for us. He's still fighting for the causes. It's not about him. It's about us. I'm confident knowing that he's going to continue to fight for everything he's been fighting for. And that honestly, it means a lot to me. And I, I, I don't regret donating to him. I don't regret phone banking or doing advocacy and activism for Bernie Sanders. It was all worth it because now we have an advocate who is really standing up for what's right in the country. In an historic and downright shocking vote of 52 to 48 percent, the United Kingdom will be leaving the European Union. Now, prior to the vote, economists had predicted that this could do substantial damage to the British economy, uh, and it seems as though that is the case. So the value of the British pound dropped by over 8 percent, which brings it to its lowest level since 1985. And also there's talks about reunification between Ireland and North Ireland. Uh, there is now talks about Scotland wanting to leave the UK because they voted to remain in the EU and they want to be a member of the EU. So now there may be another independence vote and also their prime minister, David Cameron, has resigned. Now, stocks are also expected to plummet, and some economists contend that it could actually cost 100 million pounds and nearly 950,000 jobs. Now, when you compare that to Britain's yearly membership fee to the EU, which is 17.8 billion pounds, uh, although they actually only pay about 12.9 billion because of rebates that they get, uh, not to mention the grants and the subsidies that they get just for being a member of the EU, well, they will be losing more than they would be paying into the EU, not to mention you're part of the EU. There are benefits entailed with that. Now, also, uh, France has surpassed Britain as the fifth largest economy in the world, since they voted to leave. Uh, so when it comes to the consequences, already we're seeing a ton of it unfold. And uh, one of the biggest things that we don't know what will happen is how this will impact the EU fully. We know that uh, Great Britain will be losing their voting bloc in the European Parliament, so they won't get representation there. Uh, and now they were the second largest economy in the EU after Germany. And now this it just has everything up in the air, and it's really scary watching it unfold. 
I wish I could say, you know, as a political scientist, I could sit back and enjoy it because it's not happening here. But this will certainly have consequences for the U.S. as well. Now, the New York Times explains that for the European Union, the result is a disaster, raising questions about the direction, cohesion, and future of the bloc built on liberal values and shared sovereignty that represents with NATO, a vital component of Europe's post-war structure. The loss of Britain is an enormous blow to the credibility of a bloc already under pressure from slow growth, high unemployment, and migrant crisis, Greece's debt woes, and the conflict in Ukraine. The main impact will be massive disorder in the EU system for the next two years, said Thierry de Montbriol, founder and executive chairman of the French Institute of International Relations. There will be huge political transition costs on how to solve the British exit and the risk of a domino effect or bank run from other countries that think of leaving. Because of this vote, you're going to see a lot of societal divisions. Many of the people I know from the UK are really worried about uh, political polarization between the far left and the far right. Uh, and they have good reason to uh, be worried about that. Because now, who knows what's going to happen? Will the EU last? Because, I mean, for me, I've taken a class in the EU before, and the biggest question that I had, even after taking the class, was how the hell does this work? How do all of these countries stay together? And now, it looks as though what was already a fragile union, arguably, is even more fragile. Uh, what's going to happen to the UK? I mean, will Northern Ireland leave? Will Scotland leave? There's so many unanswered questions that we won't know, and it's all going to unfold over the next couple of years. And it's absolutely scary and shocking. And for me, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this. I didn't suspect that this would actually happen. And now, you know, the reverberations of this will be felt around the world. So in conclusion, this is incredibly shocking and will certainly be interesting to watch. Well, that's all the stories I got for you guys today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in every single week, and I want to welcome all of my newest subscribers to the channel and also send another thank you to anyone who supports us on Patreon, on humanistreport.com, if you're a member. And look, even if you just watch, if you whitelist us on Adblock, you are really helping this podcast out. So I really want to thank everyone, uh, and I will see you all next week. Have a great day. Hey.